Podcast presented by Sip Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm joined with my co-host, Jack Vandemotter. Hello, hello. Glad to be back with another episode, John. It's been too long since we just hopped on, you and me, talking about the Browns, of course, as we get started here. So I'm excited. We're just going to be talking about some preseason and some uh, other headlines and notes from Browns camp and top 100 rankings. So without further ado, do you have anything to say to the viewers before we hop right in no I'm, I'm just excited to get back into it you know we're just gonna review what's happened so far in training camp and this is our training camp special so let's hop into it yeah so good things out of brown's training camp so far all good news for the most part outside of a couple injury reports seems like this team is really like bonding super well which i love because you know the browns obviously for the last however many years have been such a, a terrible team in terms of culture i love to see that this team like before the season not just during the season is already starting to mesh and hanging out together so i love to see that um, so all like i said all good news out of the training camp so far and that clearly showed with a week one win versus the jaguars 23 to 13 fashion we looked pretty dominant even though we really did not play a single starter yeah it was funny to see because it was basically our second teamers versus most of their first teamers and we still, like, dominated on almost every facet of the game. So, I mean, it just gives you a lot of hope that, you know, this Brown team is actually built to make a deep run into the playoffs or into the season, and they have the depth even if a couple key guys go down. Yeah, and, and I mean, it is the Jaguars, Urban Meyer's first right, game yeah. as a head coach. But, I mean, you still had, like like you said, the starters were, most, most of their starters were playing. And, and honestly, I think the biggest takeaway for me was just we looked we just looked well coached. We looked like ready to we looked ready to, you know, go like in terms of game speed and everything like that. JOK was flying around the field. We had some other players that just, you know, looked really sharp considering that, you know, a lot of these guys are not starters and kind of had to be forced into that role. So. Yes. What, did, what, what, what were some of your takeaways from that game, if you had to say any? Well, I think my biggest takeaway, which would probably be a lot of other people's, was just JLK's play. You know, he missed the first about 10 days of training camp because he got sick with COVID. And that kind of thrust him into a position for this first game where, you know, he's going to get a lot of snaps. And he really, really looked great, you know, covering the pass, covering the run. I think he had something around eight tackles, Jack. So, I mean, he, he was really just all over the field, made really decisive plays hopping into the backfield and just disrupting everything so it was really cool and a really good sign seeing a linebacker for the browns you know balling out like that yeah and we're gonna get into some injury reports a lot of those guys being linebackers so to see that jok who i think is really going to be a key part of our linebacking group and our defense honestly in general to see him play well, we put out a tweet, I think, yeah, it was like eight tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. Graded super well per PFF. I know that doesn't mean a ton with only one game under the belt, but yeah, JOK looked legit, and he looked like an absolute steal. Considering we got him in the second round, he looked like a top 20 talent. So, love to see that. Some other rookies that kind of balled, Richard LeCount, the safety out of Georgia, he had a pretty solid game. Another guy who graded really well. 
Yeah, he had a grade over 90, which almost topped out for all of the rookies in the NFL for the preseason week one. He had a great game. He had two tackles, but he also had a one sack, two passes deflected, and an INT. He dropped the second INT, so I mean, he could have really had like an inflated box score like stat sheet, but whole report on him coming out of school was he wasn't the most athletic guy, but you know, he was a natural leader and he knew what he was doing. He was a beloved player at Georgia and He's just the type of guy that, you know, may not be the fastest, strongest, or quickest, but, you know, he's going to be in the right place at the right time. Right, exactly. And, and that was obviously evident last week. So one other guy that I wanted to quickly mention while we're on the topic of rookies was Demetric Felton, who I thought actually looked really solid considering, I mean, what, he was a seventh round, sixth, sixth or seventh round pick for the Browns, you know, really only played limited role he's been practicing with the running backs but he was out, out there on special teams i thought his you know kind of agility and just all around just natural feel for the game looked really good for for such a late round dart throw like he was yeah felton was really cool to see out there on the field you know he got drafted as a running back but got a lot of receptions at ucla where he came from and felton actually didn't even get a single carry in this game jack Felton had four receptions for 44 yards, and he had six targets. So the Browns used him solely as a receiver here, a slot receiver. And, I mean, he looked really good. And I think it's cool because, you know, Felton is a guy that can still run the ball for you. He could still be a, you know, third or fourth string running back for the Browns in their run-heavy offense. But he's also a guy who's dynamic, you know, you could throw out there who could go get some snaps behind Jarvis in the slot. And it's just more added versatility to this offense that, you know, packs so many different sorts of punches now. Yeah, you said it perfectly. It's versatility to have a, I mean, return game. He's a returner, any special teams like that. And then to have a guy that you can, that you can A, give him to run the ball or use him for receiver depth is huge. And this all kind of also circles back to the idea that it doesn't it really does not seem like the Browns have any intention of using Nick Chubb in the passing game so if Kareem Hunt were to go down you know maybe Demetric Felton is a guy that steps up for that third down role or you know there's you got Dearness Johnson who is also there and we saw him play a little bit last game so versatility like you said and it's really nice to, to have a guy that can do multiple things that you can carry on your roster that you can rely on too so that was good so moving into week two of the preseason the browns are hosting the new york giants one of the really bad new york football teams and i think one of the biggest questions going into this week is will baker and some other of the starters get some snaps will they get some playing time jack yeah, I I think they will at least get a drive. I mean, that may, that might be wishful thinking. I don't really have any reports to back that up with. I think it would be a mistake not to at least give them a drive, right? Like mm-hmm. give them give them some game action just to make sure everyone's up to speed. Look, I know you don't want to injure you guys in preseason, but I mean, is one drive? You never know, but I think one drive just to get them up to speed would do more good than harm. So I'd like to see Baker out there for at least. A drive, you know, some other starters too. The starting offensive line could be big. And then uh, one guy that I really do want to see as well is David Njoku, who's been having a really good camp, apparently. And that this actually comes with news that he is, that he began talks with the Browns about a possible extension. 
which is interesting considering that at this time last year, I think we were hopping on a podcast talking about him wanting to be traded. So what do you think about a possible extension? Well, first of all, let me ask you, do you think the Baker and Sturge will play? Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, let's slow down for a second. Let me, let me put my input on Baker and the starters. So, I, I do think Baker and the starters should play this week. I would not be surprised if they didn't, though. The Browns do have a decent amount of guys who are dinged up, like Taki Taki and Mac Wilson. Odell's not going to be out there. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, Baker and Jarvis in some of the starting line out there. I know Jedrick Wills rolled up his ankle, but if Baker's out there, his left tackle's also going to be out there, too, you know? It's it's kind of a package deal, so... I'm I'm really hoping that they will be. I would not be surprised if they aren't. But, I mean, if they were, it's going to be a single drive. A lot of other teams have already ruled out their starters playing in the preseason for the entire preseason, and a lot of teams have done that. So, I mean, there's a chance that we don't. But maybe for a drive, we do. I, it, it could help, you know, maybe taking a hit or seeing something at a faster pace. But the Browns are already kind of doing that with their joint practice this week with the Giants. And... Going more into what Jack is saying, tight end David Njoku has absolutely been balling out, especially yesterday versus the Giants. He made a huge catch over Jabril Peppers and over Xavier McKinney. He mossed Xavier McKinney, and, you know, he's just been looking more athletic. His hands have been looking a lot more reliable, and, I mean, this dude is a firmer first-round pick, and the Browns had really high expectations when they snagged him there, I think, at 23. Yeah, he's an athletic freak, so like to see him finally starting to uh, pay off some of that potential that we all saw in him for so many years is so exciting, honestly, for me, because I think his, this, like realistically the sky is the limit athletically. Like He's as athletic as almost any other tight end in the, in the NFL, so to see him kind of starting to step up would be huge. Uh, we'll get into a possible extension, I'm going to ask you, but you did mention something about you know, Baker and the starters, and you said taking a hit, which I think is interesting because, you know, I think normally I wouldn't really care that much if they didn't play, but we we do have to remember, like, they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs week one, right? So if I would be, I'd I'd be a little bit nervous. I I mean, I wouldn't be nervous, but it would be a little concerning to, for them to just go into that game called Turkey without having, you know, played one snap of actual football since the last time we played them. You know, and I, it, it is a risk that someone gets injured, but I think it's also a possible reward to get that, you know, game speed experience before you play an electric team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. So the big asterisk, if no one gets hurt, then yeah, then it doesn't hurt to throw them out there, you know? So right. I, I don't think they will. I mean, who knows? Maybe they don't even go at like 100% speed, but I definitely yeah. think I agree with you that it would benefit to them to go out for at least one drive. Okay, so David David and Joker extension. Is that something you want to see? Because obviously that probably implies that Harrison Bryant doesn't see the field, which is not a huge deal because he was a fourth-round pick. But like that limits his development. Not, I mean, also that brings into question about Cooper. Like, is that contract worth it? You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah, so... I really like Njoku. He's my favorite tight end on this roster. He's obviously the most athletic guy out there. He played well with the limited targets that he had last year. I think he's the tight end of our future. I mean, Baker's played with him ever since he got here in Cleveland. So it seems like they really just do have like a natural chemistry. Kind of like how Baker and Rashard Higgins had one when they first burst onto the scene. But 
Hooper is good, but we're paying him too much for the production that he has produced. And he has two years left on his deal. Remember, we signed him to a three-year deal worth $12 million annually. So I think maybe the Browns, you know, do sign Njoku to an extension. Maybe after next offseason, look to trade Austin Hooper. I don't, I, don't, I don't really see how he fit well last year. He wasn't a great blocker. His hands kind of decreased since when he was in Atlanta. And then maybe you could run out a future of Njoku and Harrison Bryant. But it also doesn't hurt to have three tight ends because another injury that not a ton of people are talking about, but something that kind of hurts the depth of the Browns tight end unit is that Steven Carlson's also out for the year. Yeah. So I yeah, you, you brought up a great point. I I I honestly think that the tight end depth is big for the Browns and it means a lot for them as to like in, I'm talking when I say them, I'm talking about like Stefanski and Barry because they utilize tight ends so much. If a guy like Cooper were to get injured, right, you still have two solid tight ends to get the job done, where if you only had two tight ends in the first place if one of them went down, you're you're limited in what you can do. So I honestly think that we'd probably ride Hooper's contract out at least for now, while Baker's still on his rookie deal for another year, and then, you know, and all that, like, we have a lot of big contracts coming up. We've been talking about that for years, but, so, I think that they keep Hooper, but they just probably won't bring him back after the season, and also, I do want to mention that we've only seen one year of Austin Hooper playing for the Browns, so it's very possible. I know that his production last year wasn't spectacular, but it's very possible that he takes another step up in terms of chemistry and just natural feel for the offense. A lot of people have been saying that he looks physically like a lot more in shape than last year, so that could be interesting. But I also think that you know David and Joku being good is going to push Austin Hooper to be even better. You know, seeing that that competition, so it's interesting. I personally. But, you know, back to that original point, would love to see a Njoku extension, even if that means Hooper getting moved maybe next year or, or Harrison Bryant seeing limited playing time. Because I agree with you. I think Njoku possesses the most upside out of any of these guys. He's an absolute monster in the red zone. And David and, and you know, and him and Baker have shown that chemistry. So I would like, I mean, and he's still so young, 25 years old. Like, people forget that. A lot of people think that he's, you know, this veteran at this point, which I mean, but he's super young. A lot of these tight ends don't break out till they're 26, 27. So I would love to see a Joku extension in Cleveland. Yeah. And I don't think he would honestly be too expensive. I don't think he would be close to $12 million a year. Like someone like Hooper, he, he's good and he has upside, but he doesn't have the stats at the moment justify a deal that's huge. That's, you know, at the top of what tight ends are getting paid. So economically, like, I think he could be a good extension. You just have to find the money with this rising payroll and with these other extensions kind of coming on and coming into the books. Yeah, I I totally agree. Keeping it moving, we got the Giants joint practice where the Browns apparently, you know, showed that they were the better team. They, you know, Higgins had the game-winning touchdown. Newsom had an interception. We'll get into that. And then the big thing that I, I found, I smiled at, when the Browns, when practice ended, the Browns all huddled up and you know ended it early, where the Giants had them running sprints, which is usually a sign that uh, they got embarrassed. Well, okay, okay. So I I was reading about this, and I don't know if you read it correctly, but the Giants always do conditioning after their 
okay, practices. Okay. So they weren't they weren't running sprints, but when the naked eye is just looking at it and the Browns dominated the entire day, it genuinely does look like they're running sprints. And they probably did deserve to run sprints, yeah, even though honestly, they're all NFL paid players. But one of one of my things that I wanted to bring up about this is our boy, the absolute boy, Daryl Ryder, kept saying yesterday that <laughs> it, it really looked like it was a varsity versus JV game with the Browns and the Giants on the field. And, you know, really spoke that the Browns were the varsity team on the field. Yeah. And as it should be, right? Like, I, I look at that and I'm like, okay, the Giants have been one of the most, you know, all right, in my opinion, I'm sorry if I'm offending any Giants fans, but they're just a poverty franchise. And look, Browns fans, we've been a poverty franchise for so long. I'm going to acknowledge that. But I think we can finally say, because of we've seen the lows, of, the lowest of the lows, you know that the Browns are a legitimate team this year. Like you can just tell, it's different. They got real adults running this organization, whereas in the in New York, I, I get a lot of like those old Browns vibes. Like you got the, you know, players arguing with each other. You got coaches that just just not on the same page with the GM and everything else. You got like this whole Kelvin Benjamin saga was hilarious. Just stuff like that, which is just dumb. And then all these, you know, you see, you've seen the video of Daniel Jones throwing that wide open interception to no. It's just like it's just terrible. Everything's terrible. So honestly, I'd be more concerned if the Browns and the Giants looked on the same level. So I'm not surprised by any of this news, but it's still great to see the Browns dominating this as they should. Right? There's no red flags coming out, which is huge. Yeah, so the final two drives yesterday, the Browns got one and the Giants got one. The Browns got the second last one, and Rashard Higgins caught a quote-unquote game-winning touchdown, and he also rolled out the red carpet for that. And then the Giants had their drive, and the Browns had the offer, if you get a pick, you end this practice early. And our rookie first-round pick, Greg Newsom, picked off Daniel Jones, speaking on you know <laughs> Newsom's talent and Jones' kind of struggles, so... Like we said, there's a big gap, there's a big deviation in the talent with these two teams, and it's really cool to see the Browns, you know, taking advantage and showing who's boss here. Yeah, and you said talent. Like, finally, the Browns are actually taking advantage of the talent they've had. They've had talented guys come through this organization for years and years, but they've never been able to take advantage of that. It always seems like they play down. So to see these guys actually stepping up and playing up to the level that they're capable of is great. It's not all good news, though, because there are some injuries to report, as well as a weird situation with Tack McKinley. But the big news is that Jacob Phillips, our rookie from last year, is out for the season with a torn bicep. That's a huge knock for the Browns, as he was someone who could have taken a, you know, a sophomore step forward. In the wake of that injury, I'll just mention these guys real quick. We signed linebackers Montrell Meander and Willie Harvey Jr. Montrell Meander's a rookie. Willie Harvey is a second round or second year player who was an undrafted free agent for the Browns last year. Probably two meaningless signings there, but I had to just bring that up. But, you know, Jacob Phillips, real quick, let's talk about the impact that that injury has. What do you think that means for the Browns linebackers? Well, yeah, first of all, I, I just want to say Montrell Meander and Willie Harvey Jr., you know, those are guys that have both previously been with the organization, so you bring them on as depth as guys who kind of know Joe Wood's playbook already, but they're not guys who are going to get, like, huge playing time. Maybe they get special teams playing time, but, 
You know, right. this this Jacob Phillips injury hurts the Browns because they were really, like, hoping that he was going to break out in his second year in the NFL. And, I mean, it, it just sucks because the Browns were already thin at linebacker, and they've had a couple other injuries, too, in training camp to linebackers, including Sione Takitaki, who left yesterday with a hamstring injury, and Mac Wilson, who's been dealing with a shoulder injury. So, you know, now you're relying on a rookie like JOK, you're relying on Malcolm Smith, and you're relying on Anthony Walker Jr. And those aren't bad guys to rely on. But one, you want depth at a position that's already so thin. And two, Anthony Walker had a knee injury earlier in camp. So he's not a full go right now. So it, it's it's kind of a worrisome moment. Because at the Browns position that's already been labeled the weakest one, it's kind of getting weaker. Right. And I honestly, like, I worry. And it, this might be misplaced worry but like jok is not a big guy right it's not like he's i I worry about his durability even though that he hasn't had much of a an injury history just in the sense that like he's not a huge guy to you know dealing out these giant hits it's only a matter of time before something pops up and he's so key for us this year that you know like you said an already thin position an already weak position is only getting weaker and so much also like just having that depth we've learned is so key like you know it might look like we can survive without jacob phillips but you know let's say taki taki's hamstring nags him throughout the season or jok even misses one week then all of a sudden you're looking at mac wilson and you know anthony walker as your starting linebackers who for lack of a better term leaves something to be desired so yeah it's not not great for the Browns, but honestly, it's even more devastating for Jacob Phillips, who, ooh, I mean, as a guy who's trying to create a name for himself in this league, that's not a great time for this injury to happen. Yeah, and we're we're excited for him, too. He's a player with a lot of upside, you know, someone who has great sideline-to-sideline speed, someone who everyone was really excited to see in his year, too. And he's not for sure out for the entire season, but, I mean, it, it's a basic bet that he will. Maybe if the Browns, you know, make a playoff run, he could come back and come in the game. But he's going to be out for a while, so it, it really is a big blow to the Browns linebacker unit. Yeah, no doubt. So last headline, we're just going to quickly brush over this, is Tech McKinley still been MIA, but apparently there was a, a sighting of him on the sideline. Yeah, we don't know the exact truth behind that. For now, I'm just going to say it's not a truth, but Tack McKinley was here for the first couple days of training camp, and then he left with an illness but stayed out and has been MIA since. Coach Kevin Stefanski said that he's dealing with some personal issues and they do not know when he'll be back. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, it is a blow to the Browns' defense, but it is not the most important thing at hand. I'm just hoping Tack McKinley can get everything together, can you know get right, and then finally try to make a comeback with the Browns. Yeah, so that's another guy who I had some. I was kind of excited for, but this is obviously not great. So we'll see how that plays out. Nothing we can really say about it now because we just don't. We know too little. So moving on to the last segment that we're going to talk about today. NFL Top 100 is coming out. We did an episode on this last summer, and we've already got a couple players. I think we're only through, what, 40? We're only up to number 41, so there's still 40 players that have to be announced. But 100 through 41 has been announced, and the Browns have two guys on that list that 
you know, our fan favorites, starting off with number 94, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Jarvis actually dropped from the rankings last year, I think about like 33 spots or something like that, but we still know Jarvis is a great player, and he's very, very valuable to this Browns team and this locker room. So, I mean, a list is a list, and at the end of the day, it doesn't validate a player, and it's just kind of candy to the eyes to see Browns players on this list, but we know how valuable Jarvis Landry is. Yeah, and honestly, like, the other thing is, I mean, 94, like, it sounds bad, like, number 94 out of 100, but honestly, like, to even be on the top 100 is pretty good. Like, you know, the 32 sure. teams in the NFL, right, there's there's a lot of good players. So Jarvis Landry making that list is well-deserved, and like you said, he does so much more that doesn't show up on the stat sheet than, than what, you know, maybe meets the eye. So Jarvis, well-deserving of that. Number 71, we've got the franchise himself, quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, so I'm happy Baker's on this list because he was there after his rookie year. And then obviously after that second year, he was off the list. But now Baker is back, baby. He's here at 71. And, you know, Baker could have a really great year and really, like, skyrocket up this list next year, Jack. Yeah, I agree. I think he could actually be well above 71 at this time next year if he has a good season, if the Browns have a good season but, yeah, like you said, great to see him back on this list after a subpar sophomore season. Also well-deserving of that, mainly because of leadership and just everything he's been able to do, you know, turning this team around. So, two guys so far, that's, that caps it off. We don't have any more to announce at this point. I'm let me sure just, we'll let me just ask you, though, Jack, who else do you think yeah. from the Browns that we could see on this list between 1 and 40? Well... Well, I'll start it off with the two obvious ones. Miles Garrett will absolutely be up there. And then Nick Chubb should be on this list as well. I expect him to kind of be coming up soon. And then if we had to do some bubble guys, like maybe Denzel Ward, but I'm a little bit nervous that he hasn't been announced at this point because I don't know, is he a top 40 player? Maybe. And, you know, maybe some offensive linemen. You got Betonia. but. You know, and I don't know how the offensive linemen are going to work, but, I mean, we certainly are deserving, like, if he were truly kind of breaking these down. So Wyatt Teller or Joel Batonio should probably be on this list. Jack Jack Conklin, maybe even. Am I missing anyone? Who else? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm basically, Chubb and Miles Garrett are locks. And then, in my opinion, bubble guys. I mean, guys that definitely deserve to be in the top 100 are someone like Joel Batonio or or J.C. Treader, or Jack Conklin, and even Wyatt Teller with the season he had last year, even though I really kind of wasn't expecting him to be on it this year. But one other person that I possibly think that could be on here is John Johnson III. Mm, true. I forgot about J.J., yeah. He should Yeah, he should definitely be on here after the season he had last season, but it'll be interesting because he's kind of a unsung hero. So right. we'll, be, uh, we'll be watching for that. We'll be announcing that on Twitter, I'm sure, so if you don't follow us on Twitter... Hit us with a follow at hottest underscore take pod. We're posting pretty regularly. We're going to even be picking it up more as we get into the season. News starts flowing. So, yeah, without further ado, I'm glad that we were able to get this recorded. i get another episode out for y'all. Yeah, that's all that we have for you guys today. The Brown season is coming in hot, and we're just as excited as you guys to see it all unravel. So, Stay updated with us. Again, follow us on Twitter at the hottest underscore take pod. And, you know, just thank you again for sticking with us and for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. Stay hot, our friends. We'll see you guys later.
And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Takes Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Big Bad Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.